welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, Near Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy, hoy. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 20, which is titled Powah. The episode aired on May 6, 1999. Lauren was going on that week 22 years ago. Quarterback John Elway officially announces his retirement from the NFL after 15 seasons with the Denver Broncos. The immensely popular children's cartoon SpongeBob SquarePants makes its debut on Nickelodeon. With some brief hiatuses in there, the show is still running and currently on its 13th season. I'll be turning the dust over here. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, all that. Um, I, I'm amazed at how many quotes from my daily like mon- inner monologue are from SpongeBob. I've barely seen a single episode, but just because of Jake and Ryan, I will just always go. We're already halfway there. Uh- halfway there yep it it lives rent free in my brain always um the 1999 cinematic masterpiece the mummy starring brendan (laughs) fraser and rachel weiss makes its red carpet debut however this week's box office crown goes to entrapment starring sean connery and Catherine zeta jones and no scrubs by tlc is the number one song for its fourth and final week that squealing you hear is jake uh being very excited about the mummy (laughs) We'll talk uh, about it more in the coming weeks. Don't I'm worry. sure we will. Uh, what else was on that evening at 8 p.m.? Friends with the episode The One with the Ball. At 8.30, Will and Grace with the episode Alley Cats. 9 p.m., Frasier with When a Man Loves Two Women. Mm. Uh, Frasier learns about polyamory. At 9.30, uh, Veronica's Closet, Veronica Says Goodbye. Uh, and I did go and look. This is not the series finale of Veronica's Closet, but it is the last time we will likely see it on a Thursday night. Um, oh. Veronica's Closet has one more season to go after this. This was their season two finale, um, but they do have one more season to go. But they were moved to Monday night uh, for season three. Uh, where their ratings promptly took a big old steam and shit, and that's Oof. probably why they were canceled at the end of next season. So, last time we'll be seeing Kirstie Alley around these parts, and pretty much network television, bar none. After this, like she doesn't really do much in the way of uh, network TV. She pretty much uh, uh, exists solely in the Twitterverse, spouting COVID conspiracies at this point. Uh, yeah. Less said about it's that, just the better. The flu. Stop Ta- it. Tell that to my toddler niece. Stop, stop it. I'm still dealing with my booster shot. Everybody stop it. Uh, this week's episode had 27.4 million viewers tuning in, and this week's episode is directed by our own Laura Innes, hey. doing her first out of 12 that she would direct uh, through 2007. So is she well- the first cast member to direct an episode? Uh, I believe she is the second. I believe we have had Anthony Edwards doing an I episode think so. previously. Okay. So she would be the second. Um, and then as we say hello to Laura Innes joining the uh, directing ranks, we say goodbye to Carol Flint, uh, one of the kind of low-key heavy hitters. Uh, technically, I think actually she was the showrunner for season five, so she's not mm. gone, gone. And I think she will still stay on in kind of a producer capacity after this. But this is the last one that she writes. <laughs> Uh, her 15th out of 15 and just kind of giving you the overview highlights of some of the ones she was responsible for uh, from this season middle of nowhere uh, season four ambush season three uh, random acts and union station uh, and the criminally underrated baby shower from season two Uh, so she was kind of uh, not really a name that gets talked about a ton but when you go back and look at her body of work she was actually a really excellent writer for the show uh, and I'm sorry to see that we're losing her here. Uh, and a 
just have to note another week and no genie. Sixth time this season we have a genie Bouleless County General ER. It's almost like she's on her way out as a character. Yeah, you know, it's almost like she's warming up those pipes for Tina Turner. One yeah. third of the season almost. Criminal. Uh, well, our previously on this week is brought to us by our director, Carrie. Uh, and we open the, we're gonna open with an audio clip here. Carol and Mark are jogging along the lake. I mean, do we even pretend to be living in a democracy anymore? You know, it's just a medieval power play between career Republicans and Democrats and who hates who more. If there were still guillotines and burning at the stake, I swear they'd be doing that to each other. Uh-huh. Hey, this is where I do two reps of 10. You wanna go first? Uh, go ahead. Okay. I didn't know anybody actually stopped at these. Oh, yeah. End of your first trimester, you get this sudden burst of energy. Just have to keep my heart rate under 140. So did you read it? Yeah. What'd you think? That's a good letter. You're very clear about what you want and don't want from him. Yeah, I had to write it all out, you know? Whew. But you're gonna talk to him. Oh, sure, sure. I just, uh, you know, after he reads it, I know Doug's gonna go on his gut reaction. I don't want him coming running back here. You don't? When are you going to send the letter? I'm going to fax it. I got his fax number a couple of days ago. What do you think he'll do? Honestly, he'll be on the first plane. First off, can we get a can we get a hell yeah for Comrade uh, <laughs> Hathaway, Comrade Carol? <laughs> yeah, Holy I was like, shit! Wow, things things don't change at all. Yeah, boy, they really. You you think it's bad in 1999, Carol? Just you wait. Oof. But oh. yeah, that that would also be a very Doug thing to do. Just hop on the first plane. Yeah. But yeah, it's his kids. Of course, he's gonna come back. Ugh. Well, about that. Uh, well, <laughs> also, I love Mark's little sit-ups as they're having this conversation. <laughs> friendly, friendly neighborhood fitness professional checking in here to tell you uh, that a. Uh, sit-ups are a trash exercise and you should not do them but if yep. you are going if you are going to insist on doing them do not do them the way mark does them <laughs> yeah that, that mark, wasn't even sit-ups that was just head jerks yes yeah, mark, I feel like that mark does the, your neck yes it will do more damage to your neck than it will do any benefit to your core and the ones that carol's doing will do more damage to your lower back than they will do any benefit to your core so it's both are just Isn't all kinds it? of bad isn't it better to do more of like the sitting V leg raises where you're like kind of tilted up and engaging your core that way? Uh, like... yes. Uh, sit-ups. Anything's a... better than a sit-up. Yeah. Sit-ups as a core exercise is kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of how your core musculature works, but that is a yeah. whole other bag of cats that we can get into on a fitness Lounge chat. episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to pick my brain, if we, we should do a Q and a just for fitness questions from the audience. So like but, here, uh, Daniel gets to use his personal trainer certificate. Yeah, I might as well use it for something. But yeah, I, I adore the two of them. I loved this sequence. Um, it looks like a beautiful day to be jogging along the lake. But it's going to storm. But it is going to storm. Dun dun. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, fucking hell is it going to storm. Also. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. Yeah, Jesus. Also, I'm going to fax it to him. Yeah. And I'm a- just saying, <laughs> uh, taking a moment to appreciate how far we've come. Yeah. A quaint 1999-ism, if there ever was one. I mean, I still have to fax things okay, for the medical yes, field, but, but that's... It. That's but a that, but bag, that's because but that's because the medical field is in, intentionally obtuse in order to fatigue you. Yeah, 
Uh, we go over to Roxanne and Lucy meeting at a restaurant or cafe, and Roxanne confronts Lucy about if uh, Lucy and Carter are together or hooking up, and she's like, oh, you know, like, one or two quickies here and there in the radiology room, whatever, nothing to sneeze at, but I just need to know so I know I'm not wasting my time. And Lucy's like, oh my god, no. No, I thought maybe, but no. And Roxanne's like, oh shit, you mean our relationship's just completely stalled out on its own? And then they shit talk Carter for a little That's bit. That's the worst feeling. Yep. I mean, you have been missing for like 10 weeks at this point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like you apparently, should have gotten the message been, on your own. Apparently they've been having quickies here and there. No, but, she was saying oh. that about like, oh, if you and Carter had been oh, having one off. Which, which is a surprisingly like modern approach to that. You know, but if she's like suspicious that Carter is cheating on her, like she's she's very yeah, chill about the idea yeah. that maybe I, him and Lucy hooked up in the meantime. I love how she's like, I thought you were the last obstacle I could potentially overcome or fix. Wow. Yeah. Some some relationships just just end. I've had several stall out that way myself, so <laughs> it's unfortunate. And Lauren's giving me the weird side eye. I'm pouting. Are we? Are we good? Yeah, we we're good. Out? Okay. Cool. I said several relationships, not our relationship. <laughs> well, considering you're my only relationship. Fair enough. But... Uh, Carter on the L. Uh, he is. Oh God, this makes me wish that relationships didn't exist. Um, watching a gross couple make out and like be gross and flirt and just be explicit and disgusting right next to him, just and like making and he's like making side eyes at the other passengers. Like, can you fucking believe these kids? And um, the L stalls out, and fellow passengers complain that there's been power outages um, recently, and the couple continues to be gross. I the guys. Sorry. Do what you want in the in the privacy of your own home. I don't give a shit. But public <laughs> displays of affection like this, no. And like loud. Oh, so oh the yeah. Guy, the guy like whisper yells like, "I want to touch your boobs." And then yeah. <laughs> and the woman's like, "I want you to touch them." And then they want you to touch them. It's just it's so it's so bad. Very slurpy audio too. It's oh I I hate kissing sounds. This the whole thing is it's oh god this made me turn off on the episode right there I was done um, and we're in with some bangs just like this couple hey hey um, and Carter and Lucy are talking about uh, Lucy doing another ER rotation because apparently she's a masochist um, Mark uh, Mark says Carter's going to supervise her again hooray well Carter doesn't it's not exactly hooray but he's like eh, okay um, and Halea is back. And they all talk about Mother's Day and who forgot Mother's Day. And Romano's there. Romano's down in the ER just checking out what's going on. And he says he never lets his mom know what's in store for Mother's Day. And he spoils her rotten. That is, It was a very nice character trait for Romano, and I had to get something positive. He's got to be nice to someone. I, I do love Halei's one-liner, though, where she's just looking at him, and he's like, you know what? And she, she's like, nothing. Just trying to picture her. Like, <laughs> He's like, contrary to popular belief, I do have a mother. Ugh. I'm so, it's so nice to have Halei back Rom- again. We have missed Romano, her. Romano shows a little bit of heart this episode. Yeah, a little bit. spots. A little it's bit. really weird. Above but Jake's not protests. in this next part. <laughs> no, not in this next part. Uh, we find out that Romano is going to spend the day down in the ER to see what's going on in his domain. Uh, he says that, I don't want to see patients. I just want to watch and marvel. 
we then go from there seeing uh, Benton dropping off Reese at the uh, daycare center when we get one of the most egregious technical oh gaffes I think I have ever seen. <sighs> I cannot believe this made it into the final cut of the episode. Uh, Timestamp on this is 6.33 if you want to go back and check for yourself. Uh, but as Benton shuts the door to the daycare and the camera follows him across, we pick up two extras in the background who are supposed to just be walking down the hall and they completely blow their cue. Like you're supposed to already be in motion when the camera picks you up, but these two just fucking blow it. And as soon as the camera is on them, they're like, Oh shit, we got to start moving. And they start walking. Cause it's not even like, Oh, they were standing having a conversation. Like, cause sometimes that happens in the background. Sure. This is just straight up. They're standing, staring into space. And then like a millisecond later, they're like, Oh, oops. Yeah. Like there was like people invaded there was lag or something like it was like they, they're so clearly waiting for their cue and then they realize that they've missed the millisecond that it was appropriate and now they're just it's i cannot believe they didn't call that and have them do it again but um we then see roger bringing reese in uh for daycare uh baby reese is mm-hmm. on a level 11 cute this episode mm-hmm. like he's he's always cute but my man brought it this week. He made it so worth it for me to suffer all the flashing lights and strobes and uh, lightning. It's the duck. It's the, the duck. The, and the backpack. Yeah, I don't think he the, has it right here, but... The duck and the backpack both are just mm, chef kiss. I just... This this is S-tier Reese in this episode. Um, we get our next couple of patients, a 76-year-old male that comes in hypotensive and a 74-year-old... Uh, a woman, I believe, who came in yeah. after falling down the back steps. Uh, we will definitely be following up on the woman yep. here a little bit later. Yeah, I was really bad with names this episode, and I apologize. Uh, Romano then flees from the room because the woman's neighbor has doesn't have her hearing aid in and is screaming at everybody, not like in an aggressive way, but in an I-can't-hear-anything kind of way. And she tries to be overly helpful, too. Yeah. So- and Romano just bails, and he comments to Mark that Carol is getting fat, and what a shame it is, because he's fantasized about her. Gross. And um, uh, then he asks if Mark dreams about Lizzie Corday, because that would be an excuse for the ER to poach her from surgical, not just because she's an outstanding surgeon, but because she's foxy. I mean, she is foxy. But, yeah. Two yeah. things can be true. <laughs> yes. Uh, We have a partial scalping coming in. A woman fell down an escalator at O'Hare. Fucking (laughs) ouch. Um, Thankfully, the the prop work on it isn't too gruesome later on, but... Is it, though? Is it, though? They don't get, like, super close to it. Well, but it's gushing at one point. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but that's sort of standard practice on this I guess. I don't know. It just... It it wigged me out. If you're talking about, like extra level of gore this, this i is guess not it. it could they could have done a lot worse yeah but for now we go over to a woman talking about uh pheromones and perfumes with lydia chuni and lucy and of course lydia wants a bottle of the extra strength stuff so <laughs> it's like it's her name's phyllis Farr, who's played by played by actress holland taylor our definite oh hey it's that person for this episode uh she appeared in stuff like legally blonde the wedding date and the tv series the practice uh, she's also in a uh, power couple with American Horror Stories Sarah Paulson. Uh, yeah, that's a it's a I'm, I still don't understand that pairing, but yeah, there's like a 25 year age difference between them, but they're like a, a total power couple, the two of them. Uh, she has a hundred and Sarah Paulson was oh not yeah straight oh yeah yeah uh, 123 credits to her name, bitchin. 
Huh. Fascinating. I'm just I'm just trying to process that. I'm still trying uh, to process it. I've known about it for like two years, and I'm still trying to process it. They're lesbians, Harold. I know they are. I just had to use that. There's never a good time for me to do that one. Go for it. They could be bisexuals. They're bisexuals, Harold. What <laughs> happens next? Uh, but her whole deal is like that she has like perfumes that like, oh, this will this will make someone fall for you. This will give off signals that Pheromones. you're yeah that you're into someone. And Lucy keeps trying to get her wrist within Carter's <sighs> nose to see if there's because she squirts a little <laughs> on her wrist just to try it out. And uh, the woman passed out this morning, and after and as Carter's going to examine uh, examine other parts, um, and she very quietly whispers to Lucy, "Some men are inherently less receptive." <laughs> this is my favorite through line. This is so good. Like this was one I remembered, and it had yeah, me laughing me so too. hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, she's gonna be there for a while because they're not one hundred percent sure what's wrong with her quite yet. So she's gonna have to cancel her sale me- sales meeting. At Marshall Fields. Hmm. I miss Marshall Fields. Let's continue to date this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Macy's. But at least they kept the building. Yeah. It's it's not the same. I un- I understand. It doesn't have the same charm anymore. I understand. Lizzie asks Carol if she faxed the letter because Lizzie and Carol are BFFs through this whole pregnancy thing. And Carol starts complaining about her cravings and that she wants a surf and turf. And... Uh, Lizzie's like, I don't think they'd have that up in the cafeteria. We could go to, like, Gibson's or whatever after work. And Carol's just like, but I want it now. And it's amazing. And um, Corday asks where a certain patient is. And this is a reference. They reference that she is Maggie's patient. A reference to the now-gone Maggie Doyle. Uh, Don't you love those little ghost references after Mm -hmm. people have already left us? Uh, especially when there's like no because like at least with Doug bringing him up like at least there's a kind of a yeah. reason for that but with like Maggie it's just like it just feels mean like yeah like especially now that we're paying attention to those things yeah. I was like oh I got that she's gone Why yeah. part, of, part of Doug literally is living on in this show yeah, until next season so. true very true uh, we go from there. Uh, Lizzie is grabbed by Romano for the scalping patient uh, this is where we get a nice nice uh, look at that props work um our patient, Mrs. Price, quote, tried to get to baggage claim head first. A little insensitive. Yeah. Didn't she say that? Yes. Or... No. He, no. Oh. Mark says that. Oh, okay. I yeah. must. I missed that then. I For some reason, I had it in my head that she had, that was her explanation. No, if I recall, Mark is saying that, explaining to Lizzie what was going on. Got with it, the, got with it. the escalator injury. Well, Mark and Lizzie are working on her together, and this is where they, they like, oh. lift up the, like, skin flap and then it just like spurts blood out. It's like this is where I got a little bit squigged. Just I was me not personally. watching at all at this point. Uh, but the the real star of the show here is the dialogue where they're trying to suture her head up, and I believe it's Lizzie who says to Mark, mm-hmm. "Now show me your tip," in her most Britishy British way possible. <laughs> and even the patient is like, "What's going on up there, guys? Like, do you, you, you need me to leave? Yeah, you want me to leave?" Uh, and she explains that no, it's just surgeon talk. Uh, and then just as they're about to get her stitched up, the power goes out. Methinks there's a theme developing. Like I said, the episode is called Power. <laughs> and, uh, of course, people yell at Jerry for the outage. Because everything's Jerry's fault. Right. He can, he can take it. Yeah. He's a big man. He's a softie, though, so I don't know if he can take it. <laughs> uh, but Roxanne is in talking with uh, our pheromone patient, uh, and he yelled... 
And Carter yells at Roxanne for potentially trying to sell her insurance and tells her, oh, you prey on people here at the... It gets very overly hostile. Gets a little self-righteous. Her. Yeah, and she's just like... Carter? You, and she's just like, are you looking for an excuse to break up with me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they break up and bye. Yes! Yes! Our long national mild inconvenience is over. Because <laughs> let's be honest, she never rose to the level of a nightmare, but... She just was just never really did anything of note, and I'm not sad that she's gone. So, but she was hot, Daniel, I, and she still is. I'm not mad. again. That's this true. has never been about Julie Bowen. I'm fine with Julie Bowen. She's a perfectly and Julie Bowen is fine. Yeah, she's a perfectly she's an attractive woman, and she's a perfectly fine actress. I have nothing against her. You know, it's it's very much the Cynthia Hooper syndrome uh, to a much less severe degree. Like it was never about Mariska Hargitay. It was always about Cynthia Hooper being a bad character. Roxanne. Not even as bad of a character as it, not even in the same universe as Cynthia Hooper in terms of bad characters, but she's just very, like, nothing. Like, she could have yeah. never existed and really nothing would be different. So that's that's my main gripe with her. But she's gone now, so we don't have to worry about it. Halle yells because somebody left a patient out in the hall and Lizzie goes to check on her to, like, see whose chart it was or anything. And it's a battered naked wim- woman, not women, a battered naked woman um, with no chart She's just left on a gurney with a sheet over her. Look, look, looks like she was sexually assaulted. And Romano's trying to like call the trauma in the back as they wheel her into a trauma room. And it's like Romano, stop trying to help. Like it's, it, it, I'm glad you're like trying, but they're already doing everything you're telling them to do. Um, and they realize no one knows uh, who the tech was that brought her down. Like Lizzie's like, I don't, I don't know who he was. I haven't seen him before. Yeah, there was a so brief, I'm, a brief like blink and you yeah. miss it moment when Lizzie first came down, where she kind of like gets stopped in the hall by a guy who I initially thought was the transport I tech it, guy. Yeah, I thought it was Tony. Yeah, but and then they're like, "Hey, where do you want this patient?" Blah blah blah, whatever. And it's it's very blink and you miss it, and then it turns into yeah. this. Yeah. So the mystery ensues. This is going to be one of our big things for the episode. Hmm. We then go over and we see Mark and a nurse from internal medicine uh, chatting as she comes off the elevator. Turns out that our mystery woman was a patient upstairs and the there was the guy who Lizzie ran into was posing as a tech, uh, grabbed her, assaulted her, and then dumped her down in the ER. Yikes. Uh, Romano uh, is now leading the charge in how the ER needs to handle it. Uh, so he has some of the nurses uh, and the desk staff uh, kind of corralled over by the admit desk and is kind of going over the, you know, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. You know, don't leave patients unattended. There's a policeman stationed in every hallway. Like, you know, he's it's actually very good leader. It's a pretty good leadership moment from him kind of taking control over a crisis. Because mm-hmm. he may be an asshole, but, you know, he's he is, competent. Yeah, he is yeah. a competent asshole. <laughs> he's a competent asshole. <laughs> which was also Romano my nickname we... in high school <laughs> there you go there you this go this is the romano we could have had he could have been this you're right he yeah. could have been uh let's go we go back to the 74 year old woman who uh who fell uh, she's getting an x-ray for her hip her elderly neighbor continues to be quite obnoxious and the husband keeps saying that no one can help no one can help and husband's acting all weird and she has bed sores and Lucy was thinking about calling psych for the husband who may not be in the right state of mind to be her primary caregiver. Um, just wants to see what, what's up with him. And uh, Lucy advocates for Carol to get a break because she has fallen asleep. Poor Carol. 
uh, and our we never get quite get a solid look at our uh, patient, uh, even though she's with us through most of the episode, but we do get a pretty decent look at both the husband and the neighbor here. Uh, the husband is played by actor Ford, excuse me, actor Ford Rainey, who appeared in stuff like Halloween 2, 310 to Yuma, and The Time Tunnel. He's our high water man for the episode, 182 credits to his name. Uh, and he passed away in 2005. And I would like to point out that his mustache is just a third eyebrow. Like it's exactly the same <laughs> color and texture of his eyebrows, but it is just bigger and more bold. So I just wanted to point that out. He uses just for men, but he uses like two packages all over his head and also on his facial hair. Yeah, they gave him the Sam Waters. <laughs> Sam Waters. <laughs> Only on the eyebrows. And if Sam Waterson had... Uh, had a mustache i imagine it would be dark black too uh and gladys here the neighbor is played by actress Jean sincere who appeared uh in stuff like the she had a voice in the incredibles the movie roxanne and the tv series glee she passed away in 2013 let me go over to mark talking to lizzie about the mystery girl her name is Lori heller she went missing after rounds from upstairs in medicine um she has been comatose for 10 days so like, it's not like she could have wandered down here by herself. Um, the family was convinced to extubate her and transfer her to a long-term care facility. And Lizzie goes every, over everything with Mark again, ashamed that she was a shitty witness and can't give more information. And Romano wants to do an X-lap on her spine. Which, I didn't quite get why they were taking her up for surgery. This It's this, because there's no, her spleen. Her yeah. spleen, thank you. I don't yeah. know why I heard spine when yeah. we were originally doing this. Yeah. But um, then we go over to Tony the Transport, complaining that he needs to get his badge because of the cops, because he wasn't up there when everything happened. So he's like, it's downstairs. I got to take this person up to CT. What do you want me to do about it? Hey, I'm walking here. And I think Carol vouches for him or something. Gotta get back to Tomb Raider. Yep. And then lightning begins outside, and the rest of this episode is a nightmare for me. Uh, Notice, uh, creators, visual content creators, you can do lightning once or twice or just have people mention the storm maybe do some thunder noises you don't have to consistently do the lightning in full black and white contrast it's a real pain in the ass for us epileptics who want to try and watch a show and not get wibbly even if i'm not photosensitive it was still real uncomfortable for me to watch that last night so just yeah if you're ever making video games don't do the flashing lights if you're ever doing a tv show Kind of find another creative way to illustrate the same emotion a flashing light might have. Just don't do it. Just just don't. That's all. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Moving on. Jerry asks Carter if he split up with Roxanne, and Jerry's like, well, no, I'll miss her. She was around <laughs> here all the time. I liked her. He doesn't give a shit about Carter. He's like, she was nice, and she was pretty. Because her one dimension is that she was hot. And right, sold damn good insurance. One. Yeah. Sure. And uh, Mrs. Farr is a little altered. Um, Lucy wants to send her for a head CT and tries to advocate to Carter for it. So uh, Phyllis uh, Phyllis comments that uh, Carter has a very slender nose and it might affect his ability to bond with the fair sex. (laughs) Which leads Carter to agree that agree to the head CT and ask Lydia I think, to set it up. I think especially when she goes, were you breastfed as a child? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what does it. Which we, sh- we haven't really t- talked about it. Like Holland Taylor's performance of this is really excellent. Like it kind of reminds me of the, um, the televangelists from the end of season four or kind of about the same time, like a similar yes. type of like quackery that were like, 
as the audience, we're sort of rolling our eyes at what she's hawking, but she's doing a very good job of selling it. Like as the character, I'm, I'm very much here for her performance in this episode. Um, but we then go up and we see uh, Lizzie scrubbing in with Benton for the X lap on uh, the mystery girl, Lori Heller. Uh, Benton tells uh, Elizabeth to stop seeing everything as a competition because Lizzie is a little bit upset that Benton is even there. Uh, feeling a little bit territorial uh, about that trauma fellowship. Uh, we then go back down, see Carol coming out from a nap in the lounge, uh, which Jerry gives her a hard time about. And he's like, I'd never seen you take a break. She's like, well, I'm going to start because she, as following up on her comments from earlier in the episode, Carol has finally had her labor rights awakening. Take your breaks, kids. Take your breaks. Take your mm-hmm. vacation time. Take your sick time. Bleed those. You're legally entitled to breaks right? at work. Always take your PTO. Right? Yeah. You don't get fucking brownie points for sticking around because when the budget needs to be get cut, they will cut your ass in a heartbeat. So yeah. trust me, I occasionally need to remind myself when I was when I used to be working, I occasionally need to remind myself of that and I occasionally need to remind Lauren of that. I'm getting better. I know, but that's why I said occasionally. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a thing to unlearn. Like yeah. that grind culture thing is like a hell of a thing to unlearn. Oh, you know you know what it is? It's because of attendance policies in school. They teach us that missing right? time is bad. Right? Yeah. Perfect attendance awards. Let's talk about yeah. it. Especially especially it was instilled in me when I started working when I started working at Jewel Osco and back in the mid aughts. They, they were always like it was sort of like you were the union rules and everything entitled you to a half hour unpaid break if in the middle of your shift if you wanted. No one ever took it though. Yeah. Yeah, so like it was just sort of like expected that no one would take it. Mm. So yeah, lo- I loved work getting only a fifteen minute break on a seven and a half hour shift. That was awesome. Yeah, I I worked a job in my early twenties, which you know it, it it sort of for a while turned into something of a career uh, until we left um, that part of the country and moved to Alaska. But like in my early twenties, I was working a job where I was for over a year working seven days a week and was working double shifts on the weekends and was like maxed out at 40 at least 40 hours every week and you know I was making like okay money I wasn't like getting rich or anything and I look back on that stuff now and like I'm like holy shit like you know 21 22 23 not like I was ever a huge partier or anything like that but those are years that I just can't get back you know like 20 all the things I could have been doing think of the legos you could have built well yeah I you're Thanks, thanks for that existential crisis, Lord. <laughs> but no, yeah, it is. Um, it's just one of those things. Like I said, it's so instilled and so ingrained in you from such a young age, particularly in this country, that your worth is tied into how much you can provide on a work level. That it's kind of hard to unlearn that uh, as you get older. Things, things I work on in therapy on a weekly basis. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I have a note from Daniel from an Amazon package he sent me one day taped to our fridge that says, Lauren, take breaks for yourself, idiot. Doesn't say that. It's much nicer than that. But it's on our fridge to remind me that, you know, my productivity is not my worth. So thank you, Daniel, for that. It is a daily reminder. I try. Uh, But getting back to the episode itself, now that we can move past all of our, like, socialist Uh manifesto here. um, Yeah. Carol is going to fax uh, the the big letter to Doug. Uh, so she goes over and sticks it into the fax machine. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, the power happens to go out. 
right as she hits send on that bad boy, and it is about halfway into the machine. Uh, darn it all. Uh, so, uh, and this time, un- unlike earlier in the episode, the power does not kick immediately back on. So she is stuck with that uh, that letter sticking halfway out of the fax machine, and she leaves kind of half-hearted instructions for Jerry to retrieve the letter but not actually read it. Uh, so we will circle back to that a little bit later. Also, you would think it would be maybe more than one page. You would think? I I don't know. I mean, It could be one page double-sided. It's not. We see it. It's no. one. Maybe she writes so, I mean, really I, small. I appreciate your moxie, but it's... Yeah. Maybe she has really small handwriting. Who knows? Sure. Uh, but yeah, the power crashes mid-surgery for Benton and team, and Carter spills all of Phyllis's perfumes when it goes <laughs> out because he turns around and bumps right into the tray that she had them all laid out on. And uh, Jerry gets the auxiliary power back online. Yay, Jerry. Mark sends Carol to go check all the critical equipment. It might have been reset. Make sure everything's plugged in to the auxiliary. Everything's plugged in. Everything that needs to be plugged into the auxiliary power is uh, is uh, plugged in. Like, they have to, like, switch to the red plugs. Yep, because those are on the backup generator. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry tries his best to calm the families because, um, of course, everyone starts yelling at Jerry. It's always Jerry's fault. <laughs> um, and it's an excellent walk into the dark treatment areas and Carol ensuring the patients that all is well. Just very good cinematography shot as we go into that curtain area with the couple of elderly patients. Mm-hmm. Just nice, nice little pan with them. Um, Lucy tells Carol the ICU wants to send down six critical patients because their generator isn't working at all. Uh, this is, nope. Um, Halle tells everyone that they aren't taking new cases until power comes back on, so anybody in chairs is just gonna have to chill because they can't, obviously they can't treat the people they have, we're not taking anybody else back. Um, up, back upstairs, Benton and team are going through their surgery still, and Romano says, makes you hopeful for Y2K. Is that our first Y2K reference? I think, I I think it's one of the first ones, yep. But yeah, so, just there, they are braving the surgery without any... Um, electrical sensors or equipment. Mm. So we go from there back to our next trauma of the episode. uh, The ambulance has pulled up trying to get in, but the main door is stuck shut because no power is going to it, which seems not great and seems like poor design not being able to open the door without uh, power. Uh, But who am I? Uh, Carter assesses that Mrs. Farr's condition is worsening. uh, So they go off to check on her. Uh, the, as the paramedics try to bring in this new patient, a 33-year-old with possible electrocution, he took a 15-foot fall off of a telephone pole. Uh, Mark asks if they have anything to pry open the door. As they all work together to try and pry it open, they quickly give up on that plan and decide, fuck it, let's just take the window off and send the gurney in through the window. Um, the So the one little technical bit here is that as they finally get the window off and they put the patient in through the window, the the camera is set up framed perfectly over the window itself uh the wall is very straight so they're getting a straight on view of the gurney coming in uh but if you always look at the uh ambulance bay from the outside that wall that they're on is uh, angled so hmm. hope somebody got fired for that blunder um mark <laughs> mark then has morales tell dispatch that county is officially closed to trauma and uh, Ben goes to check in on baby Reese in daycare, and he's just sitting on the floor all by himself, Aww. looking like the most adorable, scared little munchkin. And uh, they, 
and Peter goes to sit with him, and he's just pointing. Reese is just pointing upwards, and they have those little glowing, those uh, glow in the dark stars that <laughs> maybe some of you had growing up in your bedroom. I know, I my entire ceiling was full of them. They were not, they were my nightlight. They weren't like super bright, but they were bright enough where I could like see stuff if I needed to go out, get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night or something. Plus, I just love stars. Space is cool, folks. Um. But then Romano and Lizzie are finishing up the X-Lap, and Lizzie says the kindest thing might be to let her go in peace. And then she starts bracking down. And she's like, God damn it. Like, she has a through line this episode of saying things and then terrible things immediately happening because of it. This is one great example. Um, Mark and team start trying to work on the electrocution victim, and Benton runs down to the ER with Reese strapped to his back on his little baby carrier. And it's my favorite. I this is absolute it. goals. And Reese with his little stuffed ducky. And it's just, I <laughs> just, yes. Oh, the visual of this is so perfect. I just love it so much. Because cause he's he's working on this patient with Reese on his back to start with. Yeah. And it's amazing. And Reese is just totally calm and totally like, I'm with my dad. It's cool. Everything's fine. Yeah. Like, not scared. Not, like... You would think that, like, all this chaos, and it's also dark, too. Like, I don't know if we've really done a good job of, like, fully articulating just how, like, they're working by lantern light, basically, on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you just have little Reese just hanging out there with his little duck in his backpack. It's just, I love it. I love it so much. And uh, Carter and Lucy are working with Phyllis. Uh, they have to bag her. They aren't completely sure why she's lost consciousness. They believe she's had, like, either a stroke or, like, a blood clot or or an embolism or something. They aren't 100% sure. So they are, like, weighing different treatments, and Carter's like, if I do this and it's this, I kill her. If I do this and I do this, it's kill. I kill her. So. Great choice. They need, need more lab work. And then the power, and the, while they're debating that, power goes completely out. No backup power. Eep, it's dark. I hate the dark. So as a result, all patients on vents now have to be bagged. Uh, so that's not great. Uh, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Uh, we then go back and see that Benton has gotten the patient stabilized in the trauma. Uh, they take Reese off to be looked after by Jerry, which, like, <laughs> ta- this is cute, but it's going to get cuter. Like, this is... I'm so here for this. Uh, we then see uh, back in the surgery, uh, Lori goes into tamponade, and uh, Romano and Lizzie are doing some amazing expert surgical work here without electric monitors. Like, they are basically doing this whole surgery by candlelight almost, by flashlight, and just without any, like, any feedback that they would normally. Uh, the, the way that they're able to improvise through this surgery is really impressive. Mm hmm. It's almost like people actually study medicine, and it's good when they can recall what they've learned. Yeah, yeah, who knew? Uh, but then Mark, speaking of, does a whole blood evaluation on a spare vial of whole blood that Lydia drew. Um, from, And Mark says this is from the Dark Ages. And he looks and he sees that it was from a couple hours ago, and it's not clotting. There's, there's no clots in it. So he sees that she is over-anticoagulated, I... which means they need to push the vitamin K I want to I want to point out that I was watching this episode with Nurse Jen. Uh, oh Jesus! And when Carter was doing her his like, well, if I do this, then I'll kill her, and if I yeah. do this, then I'll also kill her. Like, 
as they were having that conversation, Jen just goes, well, why don't they just do just do blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, obviously not being a medical person, I didn't internalize any of the words that she was saying. But then when mm-hmm. it got to this scene here where Mark does the thing from the Dark Ages, she was like, yeah, that's the thing I was talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so Awesome. Like, Great to know that it's a real it's thing. It's still a real thing. Um, But yeah, then they go back to Electrocution Boy because I didn't get his name. And the lava- the peritoneal lavage is negative. Um, no, no blood in like the abdominal cavity or anything. But there is what looks to be blood in the urine and he loses his pulse and... Um, he's in VTAC, they need to get the defibrillator, and Benton, while waiting for the defibrillator, just whacks the man in the sternum as hard as he can, which is something under extreme duress that you can do that can sometimes, like, do a mi- cause a minor, like, traumatic electrical impulse to go through, but d- don't, don't you, do that. You're not just, don't just pound on someone's <laughs> yeah. chest to try to bring them back to life. It's kind of a one-time deal. Yeah. yeah. It is a, if nothing else, slam chest. Uh, and then Carol walks in on a guy hovering over Mrs. Price, and she calls security, really so. But then, oh yeah, I'm from Mercy. They called me over to help with the outages. And she just lets it go. She's like, oh, okay, bye, and then walks like, away. what the fuck, Carol? Yeah. That is not what should be happening here. You should be verifying with people. You should have a security person there just in case. Yeah. To make sure while you verify... Much, much too flippant about that, considering that a woman was literally assaulted today. Like, yeah, just down the hall. It wasn't even like it was in the same hospital, but in a different department. It was literally right down the hall. Uh, uh, we find out that the elderly husband of the woman who came in uh, from the fall earlier in the episode is suffering suicidal ideation. Uh, not great. Been there. Don't recommend it. No. Nope. Uh, Benton defibrillates our electrocution man because that's what he needs. More uh, more electric shocks going through his body today. I know that is what they different, need. Different electric shocks. Controlled electric shocks. Uh, they have uh, Tony helping bag patients. You know, much like, spoilers for later in the episode, much like with uh, our CSI EMT from last season where we assumed it would have been a, a much better ending for him if it had turned out that he had actually been a murderer. Why did we just have Tony end up being the, the, the fucking the culprit no, here? No, we like Tony. He is a nothing character. <laughs> like he I know, be... but he's funny. Uh, I don't want him to be a funny rapist. <laughs> uh, like, at least that would give his character some kind of, like, distorted purpose. Like, he's just a, a nothing character otherwise. Uh, and he has one. He's there to provide us laughs with video. He has games. one more appearance, by the way. Um, so we then go back to the elderly patient. Uh, the uh, patient's neighbor heard a bang and thought that she had heard her fall down the back step, uh, but she at least heard the bang. So th- this is again all episode we've been dealing with her hearing aid and either not having it in or not having it turned on. She's convinced that she definitely at least heard the bang. So Lucy goes to examine the patient again. And they discover a gunshot wound on her lower back instead of a bed sore. And this is what we would call, from that ER book, this would be what the secondary evaluation is for. Because on the primary evaluation, they're looking for what was the primary complaint, which her neighbor said she fell. This is on the later secondary evaluation when they have time to look her over. And this will be in the later secondary episode of that series whenever we get around to recording it. (laughs) Hey, hey, teasing bonus content for when we have time to do it. The holidays have been weird man bonkers but yeah so going on from there 
Carrie comes in with a head uh, flash, like a headlamp on, and she brought fried chicken in for everybody. And I love Carrie. And she said, yep, my fridge was out, so it was cook it or lose it. Because I cook with gas, but, you know, fridge runs on electricity. So she just she cooked a bunch of stuff up. Everybody loves her fried chicken. Uh, fried chicken. We note here, uh, I think Daniel caught this one, Benton abandons his vegan principles for some good old <laughs> fried chicken. Because he's like, ooh, is, is that chicken that I smell? And he, uh, he was recently told taught the error of his ways when he went to the South. Mississippi. That's right. Yep. And Jerry is now wearing Reese on his back. A plus content. I love this. The, this is the spinoff I need. Give. It doesn't even have to have dialogue. It just needs to be Jerry walking around with Reese on his back. This is the when I'm stressed, I'm just going to visualize I am in Reese's place here. Like this is this is just yes. Give me that action figure. Like, I want Can that we, action no. figure on my shelf here of giant Jerry carrying little tiny baby Reese with his little duck in it back. Yes, give me that today. Merch, Manifesting that. Merch proposal. Oh, God. We commission our art friend to do, another, to do a sticker based on <laughs> that image. I feel like it might be. That would be an excellent shirt. That would be, that would be an excellent shirt. I would wear that every fucking day. <laughs> um... Our, I I will see our art our art um our resident artiste in person over the holidays and there I will go. bring that up to Proposed her if you it, want. It to her. Um but then we go over to Mark and Carter working with Phyllis to deliver vitamin K to help her clot again. Carter is holding her steady while Mark does a spinal tap, it looks like, um, to better, you know, do whatever the hell they're doing, medical stuff. And Connie <laughs> and Chuni are telling Carrie what she's missed while she's been out. And we go up to the surgical floor for our next audio clip. Uh, Corday is bagging Lori in recovery, and Romano joins her. Well done, Dr. Corday. Thank you. I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, especially after today. You are an exceptional surgeon. It would be tragic for you to waste your talents on a trauma fellowship. Let me finish. Now, I'm aware that you don't relish working with me. I'm in your face, I can't resist. But know this. I would do anything in my power to have you stay in surgery, including making myself as scarce as possible. Appreciate that. <laughs> Think about it. I'll take over. The cops want to see you. Just a good boy Romano for a moment? Yeah, for a brief moment. Like, he will always find... He's, he's never more than a second or two away from ruining it, but yep. it is important to note those times when it's not a complete dick. Like, he actually manages to have an, a brief fleeting ever so slight glimpse of self-awareness here so we go from there the cops take lizzie down to the basement where they found uh the rapist uh he hung himself in the switch room where the engineers found him and the lights uh conveniently come on right as she makes a positive id in a vacuum this is a weird storyline <laughs> like this is a yeah, a, yeah. especially it's just a, especially that it, it it's completely self-contained within this one episode like, this is a really strange storyline that doesn't really, like, 
like I guess it's just like a random thing it's supposed to be like it's just supposed to be this random act of violence I guess you know in the same vein of Mark's yeah. attack because like this woman is attacked he we never find out anything about this guy like we never find out if he is yeah. an employee or if he was just another patient or a family member of another patient posing as an employee or we, we never find out anything about this and then as quickly as it starts it's over it's just kind of a strange in a vacuum uh, it would have been a good Halloween episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> ever since the old lady rapist storyline okay, took place over several Christmas episodes, I'm like wary yes. of using holiday episodes for rape storylines. But here we are. Um, we, Seems less than I we, Yeah. We do get an excellent shot of the ladies bursting out of the admit desk to get everyone back in uh, ship shape. Kind of the, the, you know, not quite Avengers Assemble, but maybe like the, you know, like... The, the charge after Avengers Assemble where they get to, like, you know, head off and get everything back in order. It's the shot with uh, the Avengers where it's just spinning around and everyone's doing their pose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I take that back. Holy shit, I wasn't even thinking about it from an assault perspective. I was thinking of it from a whodunit perspective. I, I retract my holiday Fair. statement. Okay. Nope. nope. I, was, I was just thinking, like, whodunit, not whodunit and what was done. So, yeah. yep, I take it back. Nope. Never mind. Bad idea, Lauren. <laughs> well, speaking of mysteries, let's go to our next audio clip. Mark asked what was going on between him and Carter in that trauma room. Okay, CT's holding the table if you can get her there in two minutes. How you doing, Mrs. Farr? Yeah, we're going to take that out as soon as you come back. Don't worry, I was very careful with your v &O. So, Carter, I need to ask you, what was going on in there? I was I was worried that she'd hurt you. No, no, I mean, uh, between you and me, I was getting this weird kind of energy. I mean, it's almost like you were, what? I didn't know if you were being territorial or admiring me. No, I don't want to say that you were flirting. Because, I mean, obviously you were, you know, you were flirting with me. No. Right? Oh, man. You know, I spilled those pheromones on me, like a whole bottle. Is that what I spilled? Maybe that's what you were picking up on, one of those chemicals. Oh, it's pretty far-fetched. I mean, I admired you when <laughs> you went for the LP, but, you know, that was it. <laughs> I better get these still. Get him. Got him. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hats off to Anthony Edwards. Yeah, that was that was perfect. The the hand on the shoulder when when Carter's talking to him and then like takes it back like ah oh, no homo S sells it perfectly. The chef's kiss. Perfect. And how fortuitous too that like as we're recording this, a probably the most one of the most popular topics I have ever seen pop up in one of the ER Facebook groups popped up the other day about which uh, if you had to pick one of the characters on the show to, that was secretly a bisexual, who would it be? And the overwhelming answer was Carter. <laughs> oh, Carter is absolutely is absolutely a twink. It's fine. It's, oh my god, it was one of my favorite threads i think i've ever read about anything ever like because actually there's quite a bit of like solid justification for it and i'm just this the way he like is like oh yeah it was probably the pheromones like he just like rolls right with it like you could tell that and it also kind of helps explain some of his weird hostility towards luca when he first pops in like it's yeah. just there's a lot of like Con if you really think about it there's a lot there confused bisexual baby carter yeah it's it's my favorite let's bury my new favorite headcanon Let's bury this deep in the episode so if by some Christmas miracle we ever get to talk to Noah Wiley in 12 years, <laughs> he does not hear us just talking about how bisexual and wonderful Carter is. Yes. I have <sighs> thoughts. 
but I will not say them. Oh, oh, can can? Did, would you like me to say? I them? want yeah, you to say, say them. them. And Daniel can Daniel okay. can always cut this. Carter is absolutely. Oh Jesus! Car- no, Carter is absolutely a total bottom who <laughs> thinks he who, who thinks he's a top. He absolutely tries to play the role of of top, but no, he's absolutely a bottom. I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> He acts tough, but no, he really... Oh, my God. No, you know what he is? He's a brat. There you go. There, He's a bratty bottom. Now I'm now we'll ex- I'm going to be... We'll, expl- we'll explain when you're older, Daniel. It's fine. Oh, I'm so glad my mom's friend stopped oh. listening to this show. I'm, o- I'm over here trying to do acronym math. You're doing, like, the Sarah Paulson, um, <laughs> like... Gif of her like looking at all the different equations. I can explain stuff. it to you now. No, 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 that's it. That is an off mic conversation. conversation. <laughs> we have the explicit rating, but that's too much. I'm I'm gonna put the mom friend hiatus okay, on that one. Okay, then let's shift gears entirely. Oh God, no. Yeah. So let's go from that discussion to, uh, no real, no real like greater story or anything. Arc. We just think this is a really good bit of acting from the gentleman, from the elderly gentleman, uh, that shot that now that we now know who shot his wife, um, and he talks about why. Ten months after I retire, they're bought out. Our health plan's kaput. She can't get out of bed. I wrote my pension wrong. If, if I go first, she gets nothing. I had to take care of her. I know. But what I don't know about is the bullets. What kind it was and whether you were firing from above. And in that case, it might have hit her bladder or if you were aiming directly at her spine. Uh. It, it was a Walther automatic. I took it off a German officer. The, 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 the army gave me papers for it. <laughs> the end of the war, pistols were the only thing they let us GIs keep. So... Honestly, one of the things, it's so random, the things that your brain just remembers from things. But, like, I will always remember this episode specifically for that pronunciation of the word pistols. <laughs> okay. Oh. Like, I, it just sticks, just in, sticks my in your brain, huh? All right. His, I have no idea why. His delivery is so good. Like, yeah. You can tell he's just at the end of his rope and has just been trying and trying to figure out what he can do. Mm-hmm. And this is just like, it's clearly, like, he clearly feels remorse for it, but he's also clearly just like, I don't have anything. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm no, I'm by no means advocating shooting your partner as a dead end situation. Yeah, please but just, don't. But it's, it's very well done the way he performs this. With a Nazi gun, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where did he find the ammunition for it? Like, that's my he question. He just had it. Fifth. Yeah, he may have just had it and for just years. 50-year-old yeah, gun it. at that point. So then Mark says, oh, you know, like, they're talking about how hungry they are or whatever, and Mark tells Lizzie, like, oh, you know, we should go to a candlelit dinner um, 
She says she declines and just wants to go home. Mark responds, well, after a shift like this, you can't just go home. Like, you need to decompress. He's like, I've got another idea. Hmm. And then um, Jerry says he can't read. Sorry. Jerry then gives Carol her letter back because he got it out of the fax machine. And she's like, did you read it? He's like, no, you said it was personal. Best boy, Jerry. Good boy, Jerry. Like, you're, you're, you're good when it matters. Good boy, Jerry. Let's go to our second to last scene in our last audio clip of the episode. Carter and Lucy are up on the roof. So the neighbor interrupted a suicide pact. No, I wouldn't exactly call it that. The wife wasn't in on it. Myra said it's not unheard of. Depression over aging, loss of control, a downward spiral. How long were they married? 54 years. Makes you wonder if something was always missing. Although I'm not the one to ask what makes a lasting relationship. Oh. Never had a lasting relationship. Not that I don't want to find that someone. Just haven't. I know. Your parents stayed together, but they completely shut you out. And they lived like childless jet setters, and they made marriage a complete mystery to you. (laughs) My problem, on the other hand, is that I was raised by such a capable self-sufficient single mom that it's hard for me to see the need for a partner at all. How long was it, psychotation? <laughs> They're doing that thing again. That thing I don't like. Doing the thing. That thing. thing where they make googly eyes at one another. I don't like it. Being too friendly. Stop right? that. Separate. Leave some room for Jesus. <laughs> I, I do love how she says... Uh, I don't think it's a suicide pact if the wife wasn't in on it. And I'm like, yeah, that's just fucking called murder. Yeah, that's murder. just murder. Yeah, that's just a murder-suicide. Jesus. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, boy. And the fun keeps rolling. Yeah, well, I mean, at least we don't end there. You know, we, we end on a little bit yeah, lighter of a note true. as we head over to Navy Pier where we find Mark and Lizzie at the arcade uh, playing a, like, ski simulator. <laughs> oh, did you never play those? I mean, I've, I've always seen I've... them, but I don't... If, I was never, like, allowed to pump quarters into arcade machines, so, like, oh, you know. If... We had very different childhoods. Yeah, I did the, like, snowboard ones. I'd never done the skiing one, yeah, I don't think. the skiing ones were the ones that I did. I could never get the hang of the snowboard ones, but I could. Do, uh, but I definitely did the skiing I definitely one. remember. Because there was one at our movie Yeah, theater. I remember our movie theater having a um, a motorcycle one. And that, mm-hmm. that was I one. love the motorcycle one. Like, yeah. Even if you weren't playing also, it, you could just sit on it and, like, rock back and forth. Yeah. They, they also had one at the arcade that I used to go to all the time in the 90s. They had um, one of the, it was a jet ski. Mm-hmm. Lizzie. Yes. Can we go to Pinball Pete's when we're home? Another thing that's not going to happen. Can we go to Pinball Pete's while we're in East Lansing? Sure. And play some pool or something and get, and get COVID from all the pool cues? Sure. Cool. We're triple vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Get your fucking shots, people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Lizzie is playing the ski simulator and it needs a little bit of encouraging both from herself and from Mark. She says, you know, I can do this as she like splats into the mountain as she's coming down. Uh, and Mark says, you can do anything. And then the lights go out again. And that's how you can do anything, including me. Oh, there it is. There's yeah. Well, no. And she also says, thank God for electricity. And then the lights then go the out lights again. Go out. And it's just like, Continuing oh. her theme from the episode of saying the, the exact wrong thing at the wrong time. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give this episode a solid nine. Yep. I love it. There's a, so much to love here. There's some really jarring things, but they're, but they all sort of fit in with the 
motif. It was the lightning, sorry. Yeah, Lauren, <laughs> Lauren was just be doing Emperor Palpatine lightning bolts at me. <laughs> um, it's fine. She's totally a Sith. That's okay. I will overthrow her one, one of these days. Um, she... Yeah, yeah, there was there was just so much so much good here and since it's such a really well acted episode, there's a lot to celebrate now that Carter's finally free of Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Something he sh- that should never have gone on this long at all. Yeah. Um Lucy's great with handling the with handling the older the older folks. Um that gentleman is incredibly well acted, I forget his name. Uh, the the name of the actor. Oh, uh, yeah, Ford Ford Rainey. Yeah, incredibly well acted. Apart from him, as especially that last part, um, and not just because of his pronunciation of the word pistols, um, and not just because of his eyebrow mustache. Yeah, it's just an all around. It's just it's just an all around good uh, good performance. Yeah, um, and extra bonus points for Reese in the backpack. Yeah, yes, and the ducky, the, the ducky. ducky, the ducky. If we're were there not some jarring part, some jarring parts in here, like the, the, the perpetrator of the just the committing, of the assault just committing suicide? Yeah. Like. Yeah. With no other with no context. Yeah, there. I, I don't. I, I really don't know how I would fix that because to me that is the sort of the the glaring black eye on this episode of like, that's a it's a just a weird story like it's not. Um, it's not that it's particularly poorly executed or anything. I just feel like it might be poorly conceived. I, yeah. I I feel like Lauren's idea of maybe doing it as a as a straight whodunit might be better. You know, like we didn't necessarily have to have the sexual assault angle to it. You know, like it could have just been yeah. this could have just been a random dead woman showed up in the ER and they have no idea. You know, because I'm sure it's not uncommon for uh, dead pay. We we've seen that in episodes before as a comedy beat where they just have a dead body hanging out in the hallway for the entire episode. But yeah. if we do it as a an unexpected dead body and the power's out and they're not sure who's doing this and there's this mystery aspect to it, I feel like that could have been a little bit lighter of a way to go about it and it didn't have to have that jarring ending where the culprit ends up being – We could have we, they could have done a really cool, really funny – not funny, but like they could have done like a Scooby-Doo thing with it, you know? Like they could have like yeah. – at some point, you know, we accidentally think – like Jerry gets into weird hijinks and they think it's Jerry for a minute. Like there could have been, you know, no, no, no. I'm saying like, like not, 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 not as currently constructed. Like there would, there would be no sexual assault in this, yeah. in this headcanon. It would be like just a, um, assault. Like somebody got beat up. Um, yeah. But there, there just could have been other ways to approach it that would have felt less jarring. But that really is the only part of this episode that needs fixing. Everything else works. Yeah. Really, really and well. Us, and even in my version. You could totally, you could leave everything as is except for the ending part, and you could just have someone, uh, you could have someone from the ER, like Carol, like that Carol, like near, near, like thing where she thought the person who was for Mercy, who totally you should investigate after she's actually for Mercy. Yeah. Like, you Check can have his some, actual badge. Yeah, you could have someone like, you could have a, like a second one of those either with Carol again or with someone else where they actually catch him mm-hmm. wheeling someone away or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just, I don't know. It's like I said, it feels like a poorly conceived idea that, that could have been good, but just didn't get fully baked. Um, yeah. But other than that, like nine out of 10, totally solid. I, this is not one I think that you hear people talk a ton about, 
like it does not get mentioned in the same breath as your blizzards and your exodus and yeah. some of your other your other weather episodes weather episodes a weather episode event type episodes like this definitely has feelings of it at certain points like episodes that would come um much further down the road you know in later seasons um i'm, I'm thinking yeah. like uh even into like deep into like abby and even morris era like th- this felt yeah. like something that would would fit very well in there and maybe that's just mm-hmm. because i'm mixing it up in my brain with the um the episode where the thing happens to romano like oh, you know yeah. I'm, I'm there's a lot of similarities with that episode so you know like i don't know but still a really good episode and yeah. and um a really strong way to kind of get us on the road towards the end of season five yeah we're throwing heaters here i thought the the rest of the season five could have easily just been ho-hum so far but we're we've been throwing heaters yeah the last few weeks. i was i was saying something uh to our buddy aaron about that the other day that the post doug hangover has not been as dramatic as the uh widely accepted narrative would have you believe like the widely accepted narrative is that the air kind of gets let out of season five after doug leaves and that no. you have to you know let things kind of let them pick up the pieces before we get into the the chaos that is season six uh, but it's actually not that bad. Like, there's a lot of, like you said, really strong episodes in this latter half of season five. Yeah. Lauren, do you have anything to add before we get to the listener responses? Um, I'm giving it an eight only because I'm trying to reserve my nines and tens for the ones that really just absolutely blow me out of the water personally. And this got docked so much for the flashing lights. But the ducks. But the duck is what ke- keeps it at an eight. <laughs> I would have given it a five for all this the is, fucking lights. This is on the ducky adjusted scale. Yeah, this is on the ducky-adjusted curve. Well, what the listeners think about it? Uh, Lexi Y says, Not saying anything about their physical appearance because they're both incredibly good-looking, but I do not buy Carol and Mark working out like that at all. I mean, the jog? Sure. Maybe. Maybe a brisk walk. But I made the same face he did when she laid down and started doing sit-ups. Like, ma'am, I would never. <laughs> Kate R. says, LOL, Jerry is sad about Roxanne leaving. I love you, Jerry, but I can't relate. Please, please forgive us for the mispronunciation, but uh, Juve J says, I just watched this great Lucy episode. I love how she was awkward and caring, like at the beginning of the season, but also more confident. I love that she was trying to take care of everyone, her patient and the husband and Carter's patient, and even Carol and Carter at the end. Eve T says, I've lost count of the number of times I've rewatched this episode. It was the one that got me back into ER about this time last year and is now my go-to whenever I can't decide what to watch. Honestly, never really been able to put my finger on why I love it so much, but there's a lot to like, including director Laura Inez and acting royalty Holland Taylor. Yeah, we didn't even, like, praise Laura's excellent directorial stuff here. Just... Very, mm, so good. Uh, Franer W says, This is a brilliant ensemble piece and I love it. Dr. Reese and his fluffy duck and Benton melted my heart. Also, Halle's one-liner about trying to picture Romano's mother. Perfect. Bliss S says, This is one of my favorite episodes. The way everyone handled the situation, the drama, and the humor are all on point. Gotta love Weaver saving the day with the fried chicken and Mark pranking Carter at the end about the perfume. Just loved so much about this. It also brought up practical concerns of losing power in a place like this, including automatic doors not working, which I would have not even thought of. I could have done without the continuation of the weird flirtation they are trying to play up between Carter and Lucy, but Holland Taylor was involved and Roxanne is on her way out, so I can't really complain. You guys didn't let me down tonight with long responses, y'all. I love you. 
Um, at SMB for the win says, OMG, this is probably my favorite season five episode. Lizzie gets to shine in surgery. Reese in the backpack is adorable AF. And Carrie needs to bring me that fried chicken. Also, Romano in this episode is wonderful with the type of redeeming moment I live for. His line about Elizabeth being an excellent surgeon and offering to do anything in his power to help keep her there, including making himself scarce, is perfect. The redeeming Romano moments are always a wonderful touch to contrast his typical asshole personality. Then we go and ruin the lovely Romano version of Sorry I'm Such a Dick with Mark trying to make fetch happen. Ugh, no Mark. Run away, Lizzie. This man has horrible tastes in women, and they will rewrite you to fit that. <laughs> I, for one, love that SMB for the win wakes up every week when I post these response threads and chooses violence. I am so, so excited to read them every time. I am trying not to yell at our listeners, so I'm just going to reserve my comments. Okay. Uh, at Full Time Dad, friend of the show, Aaron. The first two of the most underrated season five episodes, Responsible Parties is the other, they nail everything about this episode. The comedic notes, the pacing, and yes, the end of the Roxanne arc. Seriously, how did she last this long? I've got an affinity for disaster slash mass casualty episodes, and this one is just so sneaky good. The C-plot of the elderly couple was both heartbreaking and an excellent vehicle to showcase Lucy's growth in psych. Holland Taylor was so good slinging pheromones and being Holland Taylor. And watching the ER keep patients alive without the most basic resources a hospital has, electricity, was impressive. Even Romano had his moments where the colossal prick even managed to sound magnanimous. At Basic Mall says, Carrie coming in with fried chicken reinforces my headcanon, she's the work mom. I mean, Elizabeth just has a dark storyline. My poor sweetheart. At least she got to go on a mini date with Mark after. I love how it ends with Elizabeth saying, thank God for electricity, then fading to the closing credits and the, why did I have to bring that up? It's hilarious. Also, I think Tony is in this episode and I'm so happy because he's my favorite desk clerk. You don't hear that one a lot. Yeah, that is an interesting opinion and I am acknowledging it. Uh, (laughs) No further comment required. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Always appreciate it. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment, Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. And you can find me on Twitter as well. I am at randomgamer, that's jm3r, as well as on The Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. Uh, new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.